How far have we come in our ability to repair cartilage and regenerate tissue? Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157. I'm your host, Dr. Sherwin Ho, Associate Professor of Orthopedic Surgery at the University of Chicago, and joining us today to discuss cartilage repair strategies is Dr. Riley Williams. Dr. Williams is an Associate Professor of Orthopedic Surgery at the Weill Medical College of Cornell University. He is also the Director of the Institute for Cartilage Repair at the Hospital for Special Surgery. Welcome, Dr. Williams. Thanks, Sherwin. Great to be here. Dr. Williams, I know cartilage injuries and their subsequent repair is a subject that's near and dear to you and something you've studied for a long time and uh, published extensively about. Let's talk about some of the standard treatments for cartilage injuries in the knee of our athletes. Well, just as a point of background, because I think it's always good to sort of keep this in mind, unlike skin, unlike bone, articular cartilage or the cartilage that lines the end of the bone is, is a pristine frictionless structure almost, which once it's injured does not have any capacity for repair. So people like us have to go in and manipulate the tissue or or to try to modify the environment such that a healing process or repair process is started. Or taking another strategy, we put something in there to replace that which is missing. So from an ultra-structural standpoint, you're really looking at two strategies. One is the transplantation of tissues into a, into a defect, and then the other is to, again, try to enhance a natural repair response. So as you well know, perhaps the most popular and commonly performed repair strategy is the, is the microfracture procedure, which was, again, modified and, and widely pushed by Dr. Richard Stedman and Vail with much clinical success. We have a registry at the Hospital for Special Surgery wherein every cartilage procedure that's done in our hospital is is recorded with baseline clinical scores and then follow-up scores, which are performed at regular intervals, six months, and then yearly subsequently. And we published a couple of papers on this topic. And so paper one basically showed that, yes, at a two-year follow-up interval, excuse me, at a three-year follow-up interval, microfracture does make people feel better. But if you looked at athletes, people who were participating in either Division I college, high-impact athletics, basketball, soccer, and American football in particular, at a two-year interval, there was only a 40% return to sport, which really is, if you're sitting and speaking with a, with a patient, and really get down to the nitty-gritty of the numbers, is not an acceptable number for return to sport, especially when they're you know, looking at uh, making a livelihood in that, in that regard. Sure. Now, for our audience, when we talk about cartilage injuries and cartilage repair strategies, we're really talking about the articular cartilage in the knee as opposed to the meniscus cartilage, which a a lot of our viewers can sometimes confuse uh, the difference between those two. And when I give a talk, I always refer to normal articular cartilage as the holy grail of knee surgery, this beautiful substance that coats the ends of our bones that we've never been able to reproduce with any man-made material and as yet any surgical procedure back to what nature gave us originally. And that's really what we're talking about, restoring normal articular cartilage in a knee that's been injured. That's right. So we were starting to talk a little bit about the surgeries and then the microfracture, which for our audience that is not familiar with, is where we surgically go in and stimulate blood flow to that defect by making small little holes in the subchondral bone to access the blood cells in the bone marrow, the so-called 
stem cells of bone marrow. But let's back up a bit. Let's talk a little bit about the non-surgical strategies that we can use to manage articular cartilage injuries. There's been a lot of press about substances like chondroitin and glucosamine as nutritional supplements. There's been a lot of talk about injections of hyaluronic acid. And I think it gets a little confusing for the athlete and certainly the team physician out there who is not an orthopedic surgeon. What's your strategy short of surgery for for these cartilage injuries or or even following surgery where you're trying to get the cartilage to heal to its best potential? I have to say that managing these injuries in season versus out of season, clearly lots of athletes tolerate these lesions. And like everybody kind of understands, just because, you know, someone presents an MRI with a a small hole in their articular cartilage, we, we certainly don't rush them off to surgery. Physical therapy, keeping the lower extremity strong and mobile is probably the best strategy one can employ. And much like meniscus tears in some patients, these symptoms associated with these types of lesions can be fleeting. So patience is probably my best first option in these circumstances because, again, as you intimated earlier, our surgical options really aren't that great. So we're trying to use anything we can, anti-inflammatory medications to control swelling and effusions and pain. The oral supplements such as glucosamine and chondroitin sulfate have been shown really to be largely placebo in randomized trials that have come out of Europe, although they're not in the U.S. currently. But again, there's very little downside to using them outside of the expense. So again, when we're talking about our athletes, it's, it's the team's expense. So we, we do use them on occasion, but, but it's largely just to try to do what we can, uh, again, throw in the kitchen sink at these guys in terms of trying to make them feel better. Anything that keeps them playing, I think, is worthwhile as long as it's not overly expensive and not dangerous. That's right. And largely, again, just to, to review our physiology, you know, chondroitin sulfate and the glucosamine are cartilage building block materials. So again, there's very little downside to, the, to their use. Do you oftentimes use corticosteroid injections in season? I try not to. If there's a component of synovitis that we've seen on MRI or, or inflammation of the joint capsule, yes. For effusions associated with Acute effusions associated with these lesions, I have not typically used corticosteroids. I just worry about their effect on the achicular cartilage homeostasis, and, and an athlete is going to go then run around on this thing. Again, never been shown to be a problem, but as I understand cartilage biology, I'm just a little nervous about it, that's all. Sure, I think we all have the, the same reluctance to go about injecting all of our athletes, except in cautious situations. What about the other injectables? Have you had any success with the non-steroidal injectables, such as hyaluronic acid? I just haven't had a whole lot of players in whom I thought it was appropriate. Even in the older players, I'd I'd be remiss to suggest that they have early arthritic knees. As you know, that's who ideally the, the visco supplements were designed to treat. So, again, I haven't had a whole lot of success with them in, in my regular patient population and such. I, I really have not found a big role for them in my elite soccer players. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Sherwin Ho, and joining me today to discuss cartilage repair strategies is Dr. Riley Williams, Associate Professor of Orthopedic Surgery at Weill Medical College and Director of the Institute for Cartilage Repair at the Hospital for Special Surgery in New York City. 
Dr. Williams, we've been discussing treatment strategies for cartilage injuries, and uh, we talked a little bit about uh, some of the more common surgeries. What are some of the new things on the horizon that you've been either studying or experimenting with at the Hospital for Special Surgery with regards to these cartilage injuries in elite athletes? You know, it's a rather exciting time to be in this sort of subspecialty. Really, interest in this area, I would suggest, and you could certainly correct me on this, is when uh, Lars Peterson's article on the use of autologous chondrocytes or cartilage cells as a means of cartilage repair was published in the New England Journal, I believe, in 1994. And that really led to us as clinicians sort of focusing on this issue only because it seemed that we finally had a pathway to perhaps create a more hyaline-like or articular cartilage-like repair tissue in these areas of cartilage deficiency. And while perhaps the ACI procedure arguably has or hasn't worked out, it did lead to a focus on this question by industry. So here in 2008, we have several new types of strategies and clinical trials here in the U.S., some of which I'm involved with, some of which that are uh, in the phase two and three trials that may prove to be more effective than what we traditionally had at our disposal. For our audience who, who are not familiar with the term ACI, can you explain a little bit about how that's done or what that really is? Sure, sure. It's a two-stage procedure where once a cartilage defect or lesion has been identified, surgeon goes into the knee arthroscopically with a minimally invasive procedure and harvests two small tablet-like pieces of cartilage from areas of the knee that are not weight-bearing areas. And then those samples are sent up to a laboratory at the company, and at which time the cartilage is dissolved, but the cells are saved and the cells are grown. So you expand the cell population, usually 15-fold, and then the cells are sent back to the surgeon. And then a second procedure, which is an open procedure, a real open surgery, the cells are implanted into the defect under a patch, and that patch can be either periosteum or bone lining or more of late, a collagen patch uh, that is sewn on top of the defect and then the cells are inserted into the defect underneath that patch. Uh, And again, that's been done in Sweden for over 20 years and in the U.S. probably more like 15 years or so. And, And again, it is successful at restoring cartilage, but the clinical results have been I think middling and, and it was a technically hard surgery to do and, and the reoperation rate in some places exceeded 50%. I believe our senior surgeon's experience with it, he had a 60% reoperation rate, which really, if you're just critically looking at a procedure, is just really high. And again, this made us all feel like, well, you know, I think we're onto something with regard to using the cells, but maybe we can find a better way to, to get them in, into the patient without, you know, all those surgeries. So, you know, I I completely agree with you, Riley. I think Lars Peterson and the advent of ACI surgery heralded the golden age of cartilage surgery for most of us and and really re-energized our efforts and research. And for those of our audience who are not familiar with Dr. Williams' work, uh, Riley is really a thought leader in this area and has been for a number of years, has provided us with invaluable data in leading us to perhaps better or more promising procedures for cartilage repair. So let's let's talk about some of the areas that you've been looking at beyond what well, we talked a little bit about microfracture and then the ACI surgery, which I also have moved away from. What is your procedure that you're currently looking at or studying? Well, it's almost sort of like, uh, you know, going back to the future, so to speak. Perhaps the oldest cartilage repair strategy that we've had has been the 
allograft or cartilage transplant, which in its most macro terms can involve transplanting a whole half of a knee, which is, had largely been considered a salvage procedure. But in its current iteration, it really represents a modification of a procedure which have been described as the, the OATS procedure or osteoarticular transplant procedure. And really, without getting too technical, it's think the hair, the hair transplant model, basically taking for a self or autograph OATS a small little cylinder of cartilage, again, from one area of the knee and moving it into a defect. I mean, I did do that procedure. I think there's a role for it. Uh, I never liked injuring the other areas of the knee. Uh, I felt like you were perhaps creating a poor environment for healing by causing more injury. And really, with that type of procedure, you realize, oh, well, you know, if we can take dowels or these cylinders from within the knee, we certainly can take them from donor knees. So the osteochondral allograft, the way it's done currently, is largely just taking a single plug from a donor knee and transplanting that whole mature piece into an injured portion of a host knee. And that is a one-stage procedure that can be done with a fairly minimal open-type approach, not particularly morbid to the patient. And, you, and now you've eliminated the, the donor or, or donor site morbidity or donor site problems that are characteristic of the autograph approach. Uh, while at the same time, you have this, this whole mature implant in the host knee. And the interesting thing is, these transplants are, are viable, they're live. And prior to 1998, we didn't have that as an option. You, if, you, if you were going to have an allograft done, you had to be either in Canada and Toronto or in the University of California, San Diego, at least within driving distance. So really, with the availability of those grafts in 1998, it really gave a wider group of surgeons access to these types of grafts. And you know, I've been doing I've been doing them, uh, you know, since 1998, and and every time I dabbled in other types of repairs, I always kind of came back to that because it was sort of like all reliable. So what I'm looking at now is really trying to track how athletic patients are after this procedure, and I have to say the the results uh, have been pretty promising. So everything old is new again. That's right. I'd like to thank my guest, Dr. Riley Williams. We've been discussing cartilage repair strategies. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. For a complete program guide and podcast, visit www.reachmd.com. For comments or questions, call us toll-free at 888-MD-XM157. Thank you for listening.